Hello, everybody. It's May 21st, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide, a daily podcast averaging 30 minutes where we read incrementally through the entire Bible in a year according to the One Year Bible Reading Plan. You can purchase a one-year Bible at your local bookstore. You can follow the reading plan in your own Bible, or you can go to the oneyearbibleonline.com website and read it there. We also offer a free written commentary with illustrations at our website, newlife.org. Each day, we read a designated portion from the Old Testament, the New Testament, also with a daily dip into the books of Psalms and Proverbs. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I will provide a brief commentary at the end of each reading to highlight developing themes. Today, we finish reading through 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, and we will read about the death of Israel's first king, Saul, as well as God's faithfulness to Israel's second king, David. Tomorrow, we will begin our 10th Old Testament book, 2 Samuel. We will also be diving into the second half of the Gospel according to John, which deals with the events in the week of the Passion of Jesus Christ, leading up to his death by crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. So stay with us. First, let's begin with our Old Testament reading from the final chapters of 1 Samuel, beginning with chapter 29, verse 1. The Philistines reject David. 1 Samuel, chapter 29. Now the Philistines had gathered all their forces at Aphek, and the Israelites were encamped by the spring that is in Jezreel. As the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing on in the rear with Achish, the commanders of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me now for days and years, and since he deserted to me, I have found no fault in him to this day? But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him, and the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Send the man back, that he may return to the place to which you have assigned him. He shall not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he become an adversary to us. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to his Lord? Would it not be with the heads of the men here? Is not this David of whom they sing to one another in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Then Achish called David and said to him, As the Lord lives, you have been honest, and to me it seems right that you should march out and be with me in the campaign. For I have found nothing wrong in you from the day of your coming to me to this day. Nevertheless, the lords do not approve of you. So go back now and go peaceably that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And David said to Achish, But what have I done? What have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now, that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? And Achish answered David and said, I know that you are as blameless in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless the commanders of the Philistines have said, He shall not go up with us to the battle. Now then, rise early in the morning with the servants of your Lord who came with you, and start early in the morning, and depart as soon as you have light. So David set out with his men early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. But the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Chapter 30 Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziklag. 
they had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire, and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So David set out, and the six hundred men who were with him, and they came to the brook Bezor, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and four hundred men. Two hundred stayed behind, who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bezor. They found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David, and they gave him bread and he ate. They gave him water to drink, and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, the spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We had made a raid against the Negeb of the Cherethites, and against those which belonged to Judah, against the Negeb of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Will you take me down to this band? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this band. And when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped, except four hundred young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and herds, and the people drove the livestock before him and said, This is David's spoil. Then David came to the two hundred men who had been too exhausted to follow David, and who had been left at the brook Bezor. And they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among them who had gone with David said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. But David said, You shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. 
and he made it a statute and a rule for Israel from that day forward to this day. When David came to Ziklag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. It was for those in Bethel, in Ramoth of the Negev, in Jatir, in Arorer, in Ziphmoth, in Eshtemoah, in Rachal, in the cities of the Jeremiahites, in the cities of the Kenites, in Hormah, in Borashan, in the Atak, in Hebron, for all the places where David and his men had roamed. Chapter 31 The Death of Saul Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab and Malkishua, the sons of Saul. The battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his sword and died with him. Thus Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor-bearer, and all his men, on the same day together. And when the men of Israel, who were on the other side of the valley, and those beyond the Jordan, saw that the men of Israel had fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled. And the Philistines came and lived in them. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. So they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to the people. They put his armor in the temple of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. But when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan, and they came to Jabesh and burned them there. And they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh and fasted seven days. And this is the end of our reading from the Old Testament passage, and this is the end of First Samuel. Now let's take a few moments to reflect. First Samuel chapter 29 describes an unusual scene. David has aligned himself with King Achish and the Philistine army as they attack Israel. The other Philistine warriors realize the danger of having David, the famous Israeli warrior, in their ranks. They suspect that he has a plot to turn on them and once again to be the Israeli hero. Much to King Achish's disappointment, David is discharged from the Philistine army. King Achish speaks highly of David, showing great esteem for his character and affection for his friendship, but he yielded to the majority who wanted him out. I believe God was sovereignly intervening and preventing David from an even worse situation. God was making the wrath of men to praise him by fulfilling his purposes. In Psalm chapter 76, verse 10. When David returns to Ziklag, he discovers that the Amalekites have raided it. Ziklag, his hometown, had been burned, and the enemy had taken the women and all who were in it, including his two wives. David's men were very discouraged, bitter in spirit, and wanted to stone David to death. Notice what David did. 
Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him, for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. Do you know how to strengthen yourself in the Lord? How about this advice from the letter of Jude in the New Testament? But you, beloved, building yourselves up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Jude chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Or as found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 through 19, So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. David seeks the mind of the Lord through the mediation of the priest and his ephod. David does not presume victory. The word of the Lord tells David what to do. In this case, David is told to pursue the enemy and is assured of victory. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. David and 400 of his 600 army pursued the Amalekites. 200 men were too exhausted to cross the ravine. David meets an Egyptian slave of an Amalekite who directs David to the enemy's whereabouts. David fights from dawn to dusk and recovers all that was lost. This is a great picture of the rescue provided by our greater David, Jesus Christ, who said, Of those whom you have given me, I lost not one. John chapter 18, verse 9. When David returns from battle with the plunder, those who fought with him through the heat of the day were upset that he offered a portion of the plunder to those who stayed behind with the supplies. David honored all his team, even those who were not on the front lines. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 23 to 25. Then David said, You must not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us, who has kept us and delivered us into our hand the band that came against us. And who will listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down to the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. So it has been from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. David also sent some of the plunder to the elders of Judah. Perhaps he was preparing them, his own tribe, and the largest, to receive him eventually as king. In the final chapter of 1 Samuel, the war between Israel and the Philistines continues. Saul and Jonathan die. First, Jonathan and his brothers, Abinadab and Machashua, are struck down by archers on Mount Gilboa. Then Saul was badly wounded, having been shot with arrows. He asks his armor-bearer to kill him. When he refuses, Saul decides to fall on his own sword. When his armor-bearer sees it, he too kills himself in the same manner. Once again, Saul takes matters into his own hands without thinking of God or seeking his guidance. As a result of this loss, the Philistines gloat in their victory, and they decapitate and desecrate the body of King Saul. The men of Jabesh-Gilead take the bodies of the slain royals, which were hanging as a public display, and burn them. They bury the bones and fast for seven days in mourning. Now let's go to the New Testament reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verse 55, through chapter 12, verse 19. Today's reading follows from the last words we read yesterday. So from that day on, that is the religious authorities, they planned together to kill him. 
Therefore Jesus no longer continued to walk publicly among the Jews, but went away from there to the country near the wilderness into a city called Ephraim, and there he stayed with his disciples. Now starting with John chapter 11, verse 55. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think, that he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know, so that they might arrest him. Chapter 12 Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament portion today, from the Gospel according to John. Jesus is not going to play into the hands of his enemies. He has come to do the will of the Father. He will not let his enemies take his life. He was going to give it. The chief priests and Pharisees had already put out an order for his arrest in John chapter 11, verse 57. They give orders to have him brought to them if anyone sees him, for he is expected to be in Jerusalem for the approaching Passover. Jesus withdraws from the public to the village of Ephraim near the desert. Then, six days before the feast, he arrives at Bethany, the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. They give a dinner in Jesus' honor. Once again, Martha is serving, but we can assume that she was not distracted by her work from the chief purpose of honoring Jesus, as she had been on the previous occasion in Luke chapter 10, verse 40. Perhaps her sense of priority had changed since she had personally experienced the power of resurrection in her household. Jesus had raised her brother from the dead. She now attended to Jesus not only as a friend, but the resurrection and the life. 
but is especially touching is Mary's response to Jesus. Mary anointed Jesus with the pure oil of nard, that is spikenard. It was a fragrant ointment, costing 300 denarii, an average annual salary, imported from the mountains of India. It was used to anoint kings. Perhaps Mary was discerning his royal messianic office as king of kings. Jesus pointed out prophetically that this would be her only opportunity to anoint his body before burial. In the end, Nicodemus would be the one who would anoint the dead body with a 100-pound mixture of myrrh and aloes in John chapter 19, verses 39 to 42. The women who prepared spices and ointments to anoint the body did not get to do so because of the stone sealing the tomb and the beginning of the Sabbath in Luke chapter 23, verse 56, and chapter 24, verse 1. The Gospel writers record that Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were observing the burial procedures under the supervision of Joseph of Arimathea and identifying the tomb so that they might return after the double Sabbath to anoint the body themselves. Matthew chapter 27, verse 61, Mark chapter 15, verse 47, Luke chapter 23, verse 55, and chapter 24, verse 1. Of course, they could not do so, for when they would return on the first day of the week, the tomb would be empty and Jesus risen from the dead. Judas reacts to Mary's extravagant display of devotion. Why this waste? Matthew chapter 26, verse 8. Judas is conscious of the cost. If Mary wanted to give sacrificially, she could have sold the spikenard and put the money in their ministry fund so it could be given to the poor. John chapter 12, verse 5. The Apostle John points out that Judas said this not because he was interested in the poor, but because he was the keeper of the money bag and had a habit of helping himself to it. He was a thief in John chapter 12, verse 6. The other gospel writers let us know that Judas was not alone in his disapproval of Mary's act of sacrificial devotion. In the Gospel of Mark we read, Some were remarking indignantly to one another, Why has this perfume been wasted? Mark chapter 14, verse 4. Matthew informs us that these were the thoughts of the disciples, plural, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 8. Jesus rebukes his disciples and commends Mary. She has done what she could. Mark chapter 14, verse 8. Jesus discerned that she had intended to save the perfume for the day of his burial. Jesus speaks prophetically, She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial. The poor you will have with you always, but you will not always have me. And Jesus came to give his life for the poor. The chief priests discover that Jesus is with Lazarus at Bethany and make plans to kill both in John chapter 12, verse 10. Why? because many people were going over to Jesus and away from their hollow religion, because Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. John chapter 12, verse 11. John records the triumphant entry of Jesus and the public declaration that Jesus was the Son of David, the Messiah, who was fulfilling Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. John humbly confesses while writing this account that he and his disciples did not realize that prophecy was being fulfilled at that time in John chapter 12, verse 16, until after the Holy Spirit had been given at Pentecost to illuminate his understanding. John chapter 12, verse 16, These things his disciples did not understand at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things to him. Later, in the upper room, Jesus would explain the role of the Holy Spirit as the divine remembrancer. 
But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. John chapter 14, verse 26. The large crowd attending to Jesus' prophetic entrance to Jerusalem was due to Jesus gaining popularity for his miracles more than his truth claims. John chapter 12, verse 18. Nevertheless, it made the Pharisees realize their efforts to dissuade people from following Jesus were getting nowhere. Their jealousy can be discerned in their words. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him. John chapter 12, verse 19. Now let's go to the Bible's songbook, the book of Psalms, and we're reading from Psalm 118, verses 1 through 18. And reading our psalm today will be Peter Healy. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. For the Lord has disciplined me severely but he has not given me over to death. Thank you, Peter. Indeed, the Lord has devised a way for us who are under the sentence of death not to be given over to death. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. This is the final psalm of the Hallel Psalms. It is sandwiched in between the shortest psalm, that is Psalm 117, and the longest psalm, Psalm 119. Psalm 118 is also sung at the Passover and as people entered the temple. It expresses the joy of God's people when they behold what he has done on their behalf. It is likely that it was written after the Babylonian captivity for the dedication of the restored walls and gates of the rebuilt city of Jerusalem in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah at the Feast of Tabernacles in 444 B.C. Although they had been surrounded by enemies who resisted the work, the walls of the city were rebuilt in just 52 days. It was the Lord's work, and it was marvelous in their eyes. This psalm anticipates praise for the finished work of redemption accomplished by our Lord Jesus. Psalm 118 was Martin Luther's favorite psalm. 
he writes, quote, It has helped me out of many great troubles when neither emperor nor kings nor wise men nor saints could help. End quote. It is likely that this psalm was sung by the Lord Jesus in the upper room at the close of his celebrating the Passover with his disciples. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 30, it also prefigures Christ's road to the cross. He focused on the joy set before him, fellowship with the unfailing, enduring love of God. His love endures forever. Here is an excellent verse to memorize. Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The I here is not referring just to the psalmist, but to the people of God. In verse 7, The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. Some verses read, I will look in triumph on my enemies. The psalmist looks back on his history and sees how God has helped him cut off the enemy's advances. We can sing with the psalmist, The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Psalm 118, verse 14. Remember, Jesus' name means, in Hebrew, the Lord is salvation. Yeshua. Let us remember that the Lord has delivered us from the wages of sin, in Romans 6.23, and therefore we can sing, I will not die, but live, and tell of the works of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Psalm 118, verses 17 and 18. Now let's open the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, chapter 15, verses 24 through 26. The path of life leads upward for the prudent, that he may turn away from Sheol beneath. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but gracious works are pure. It is wise to take the high road, the right road, although its ascent is steep and difficult. The road that appears to be paved with success could be leading to hell. The Lord will tear down the house of the proud, but establish a secure inheritance for the humble who put their trust in Him. Feed on God's pure word and not the evil inclinations of your heart. Let's pray. Lord, we admit that we need You every moment, every hour. You are our Deliverer. Apart from Your sovereign mercy, we would still be in the enemy's camp, like David with the Philistines. But you intervened. When the enemy pillaged our lives, you recovered all on our behalf. We thank you that of all whom the Father has given, you have lost none. We give thanks for your goodness. Indeed, your love endures forever. We want our lives to display the fact that you are our greatest treasure and worthy of our extravagant devotion. Help us to pour out our all for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that concludes today's readings from the One Year Bible, and we look forward to joining with you tomorrow and continuing our journey. We start Second Samuel tomorrow, so I look forward to that. If you have any questions or comments, you are welcome to contact us by email by writing podcast at newlife.org. That is podcast at New Life, N-E-W-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G. And if you have any questions about New Life Community Church and its ministries, the summer camp coming up, you can get that information at our websites. That's newlife.org and newlifefineartsorg So until we're together again, 
Shalom. May your heart be filled with the peace of God knowing that his love endures forever.